My name is Brad Strom. I'm the other Brad around here. Uh, and it's very exciting to be able to join you today. Uh, what a privilege to be here. It is not the same. It, it is a little weird. I wish we were all here in this room, but this live stream has been a way for us to each week uh, come together in, in a way uh, that we can all be as one as we worship God, as we see what his word has to show us, as we sing together, celebrate together, pray together. And so I'm excited to be here with you today. Uh, it, it's no doubt now that life in this time of this coronavirus pandemic uh, continues to weigh on us as individuals, as families, uh, as a city, state, country, and really even a whole world. Uh, and even before uh, this virus happened, even before we, our responses to this pandemic, 2020, in a lot of ways, was already kind of an interesting year. Uh, it was shaping up to be difficult, and, um, and especially now, in many ways, feels like it's, it's out of control. Uh, it, it actually made me think, and as I've been scrolling through Facebook and watching people's reaction to it, uh, uh, you know, sometime back, the uh, song, Jesus Take the Wheel, was released. And, and if we're honest, sometimes that song that became a saying, we throw it out very sarcastically when we feel like things are going haywire, all Jesus take the wheel. Um, but this year, <laughs> that song, that saying has given rise to one of my favorite memes I've seen so far. Uh, and that's like the idea that we have prayed for Jesus to take the wheel in 2020. And instead of taking the steering wheel, the back wheel comes flying off. <laughs> and all of a sudden the car careens out of control. We're left screaming, not that wheel, Jesus, no. <laughs> so we want to uh, realize, though, that, that as we're feeling like things are out of control, uh, and really, truly, when we feel like we, our control is gone, we tend to feel like we have this idea that no one is in control. But the good news is that we serve a God who is very much in control. His good plans continue to be accomplished. And, and our scripture today is very timely uh, in that it shows us just how much God is in control when we go through trials and have seasons of discomfort. And, and I, in those times, I, I want us to see that God really wants to shape us through these situations. Uh, before we dive into today's scripture, we've been doing a lot throughout the book of John, this gospel of John. We've, we've uh, been going through it together as a church body. We've seen that it is very different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It has some things that only are found here. Uh, John also, I love it because he clearly defines the purpose. Uh, we've talked about this as well, that in John 20, 30 through 31, he said, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, uh, you may have life in his name. John has a very clear purpose in what he's including, what he's writing, the accounts he gives, uh, that, that we would be able to see just who Jesus was, what he did for us, and that uh, through believing we may have life in his name. Uh, I love how it opens. It opens with the revelation that uh, Jesus is the very embodiment of the word that God sent down here to live out the word for us. Uh, it shows us the John the Baptist preparing the way for him, that something different was coming, that God's words and promises were being fulfilled in the person of Jesus, and that we needed to be ready. Then we see the first miracle John mentions in Cana, 
uh, where Jesus and his mother are walking along and they come by a wedding that has run out of wine and, and we know that uh, now and before this time as well as we, we've learned even at a young age, a lot of us, that Jesus turned water and cisterns into wine so that the party could continue the very first miracle that John mentions. And then we saw these really cool conversations he got to have with people. Uh, he got to sit down with Nicodemus on a rooftop in the middle of the night and explain to this Pharisee who he was and, and what people would have to do to follow him and receive the life that he was bringing. And uh, Similarly, as he went through the country of Samaria and, and ran into the woman at the well and the conversation they have about, about forgiveness and, and turning away from past sin to follow Jesus and the power that he had to give life everlasting and how that impacted her community. Two really awesome conversations. All these things so far too, pointing to who Jesus is and revealing who, why he came and uh, just a, an amazing uh, inclusion of everything pointing to that purpose that John had that we would see who Jesus was and by believing in him have life in his name. Our scripture today is in John 4, 46 through 54 toward the end of chapter 4. Uh, through the very end, if you want to go ahead and find that in your Bibles at home. And, and we see Jesus returning home from Samaria, which I find very interesting because at the end of that story last week, uh, things were going really well. It was very successful. Uh, Jesus spoke to the woman. She goes back to her town, many believing. They're hanging out for two days. The word of God is advancing. But they leave. And that's kind of contrary to what you or I would do. Um, but Jesus' message of God's plan to reconcile us, uh, even though it was being incredibly well-received, and, and even though he's having great success, he leaves. Now, now, us in the same situation would maybe want to ride that wave a little bit. We want to we um, enjoy the success we have definitely longer than just a couple days. And, and I think some of the reasons that we see this happen is very important. First off, when we get stuck in our ways, stuck in we know what works, uh, sometimes we can get in a lane that becomes a groove that becomes a rut. And all of a sudden, what was successful for us or where we saw God moving, he's not there anymore, and it's hard for us to move out. So Jesus is modeling that, hey, God has other work for us to do sometimes. And also that God's plan was far bigger than a small town in Samaria. Jesus knew that things would begin to get more difficult. We see that in a comment he makes along the way that, that a prophet doesn't receive honor in his hometown. Uh, but God's perfect plan is not confined to what is easy. It's not confined to one small place. Uh, and so Jesus returns to a familiar place and finds that the word and his actions have already begun to have impact there. Uh, the word of his ministry is spreading. So look at John 46 through 54 with me. It says, so he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said, yesterday at the seventh hour. 
the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. The father knew, uh, and, and he himself believed, and all his household, this was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So we see going on here again, Jesus coming back to the area of Galilee, coming back to Cana, this place where he turned the water into wine. He had some impact before. Uh, and so we, it is pretty obvious that that word would have spread, that, that in that area, um, not only things he did directly in Cana, but other things from other areas were coming in, and we were, they were beginning to get a picture that this guy, Jesus, is very different. We don't really know much about the man that approaches him. We know he's an official. Not sure if he's a Jew or a Gentile, but his official status, very likely many probably worked for Herod. Uh, Regardless, he's in great distress due to his son's illness. And he heard this hearsay of the power that Jesus had. These these things had come all the way through the region to Capernaum where he was likely. And and as he, for whatever reason, was in Cana, and Jesus in Cana at the same time, approaches this man, Jesus, who, who has built this reputation that something is different about him. Something through him has the power to change what we see in front of us, to heal the sick. Uh, and, and he wanted to see what that was about and maybe in hopes that it would save his son. Oddly enough, as I began to pour over this passage, one of the things that stuck, stuck out at me was not necessarily the miracle itself at first, but it was Jesus' response. Look back at verse 48. He says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. It's very much a rebuking statement. uh, And in some ways, I think the human side of Jesus, probably a statement of frustration as he's beginning to unfold before this man the work he's going to do. Uh, It caused me to go back and look at at the first uh, miraculous account in John uh, when he turned water into wine and he's talking to his mom and his mom initially says, hey, uh, you can do something about this. And his response is very much, well, it's not my time. I'm not supposed to do this now. Uh, And this doesn't always jive with the picture of Jesus we get that he is supposed to be all this always kind, loving, uh, compassionate, grace-filled, which he is. Uh, But these two statements seem a little counter to that. And so so why is John including this statement? Why is is this in here? And then then you go back and contrast it with, with the other stories we've heard about spending time with Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman, and how these miracles, comparatively, uh, while they're very fascinating and and, uh, wondrous things that happen, get much less page space, honestly, than these two uh, conversations he had with these two people. Um, So so why is more devoted to these conversations, and what's going on here? And I think John is telling us uh, that the miracles are important, but miracles make terrible gods. But they're great indicators of who God is, and what he's going to accomplish. See, miracles were never meant to be the object of our worship uh, and belief in themselves. But they're reminders, signposts, promises that God is on his throne. Things are not as they're intended to be, as we saw in our kids' story today. God's plan is not only to repair what is wrong, but actually to make all things new. And he alone has the power to do that, and he is worthy of worship because he is renewing this world and he will renew it fully. You see, it's, it's the miracle worker, not the miracle, that should draw our attention and reverence. 
And the danger that, that we can get into is people who have needs and have wants and want to see things happen and want to see loved ones well and want to, uh, if nothing else, widely want to see this pandemic come to an end. Uh, and, and probably the reason we see this rebuke from Jesus is that when we seek miracles over the miracle worker, we're building a very shallow faith that becomes dependent on having miracles on tap, so to speak. And if we're honest, we demand to see those miracles in our timing. And so what do we do with that? What happens even when maybe we've experienced some things that God has done and and we have this shallow faith dependent on him to do the next thing and the next miracle doesn't come? The next miracle doesn't happen. Well, that shallow faith is likely to fall. However, when we trust God and fully believe in him, We cede our control of situations, and it's a control that we never really had in the first place, and we find comfort in the sovereignty of God, that it's not the miracle we're seeking, but the miracle worker who has a plan unfolding. And so what does all that mean? I believe it means exactly what we'll see in the rest of this story, that we bring our heart to Jesus. We trust him, and then we seek what our heart desires from him. We bring our heart first. We trust him and then we seek our desires. We want our hearts to line up with what he is doing and we want to seek him first. And want to be reminded that that the central work of Jesus is to reconcile us sinners to him uh, him, and and to bring us in the family of a loving God. Uh, and, And honestly too, sometimes what we want just may not fit his plan. It may not be part of that overall plan of God. As I was thinking through that, I was reminded of, of two great miracles I have in my life, Will and Vivi, two kids that really shouldn't have even been here. Uh, they, we were told early on that, that my wife Kelly was not supposed to have children, and so uh, we were surprised early in our marriage when we found out we were pregnant, and, and so miracle already, uh, but then we did not go full term with Will, uh, and so we needed some intervention. We needed... Uh, God to work, and I'll never forget people coming to pray over us, two ladies specifically prayed very powerfully over my wife, and lo and behold, they tell us all these things that are supposed to happen with a baby born as early as Will was, and a lot of them didn't happen. Will came out, he was healthy, he was strong, he was a fighter, and we credit that completely to a miracle of the Lord. Uh, Same with Vivi, it looked like it was going to go much better, Uh, things were going along well with the pregnancy with Vivi, and... um, all of a sudden, one day, we thought we lost her. We'd had a miscarriage in between her and Will, and we thought it was happening again. And, and we needed a miracle, and we were sure. We had no doubt that she was gone. And um, it's a pretty graphic story that I could tell you another time. <laughs> but uh, but it, what we found out later is that the doctor, at the follow-up checkup we went to, after the doctor's even saying, yeah, you've probably had a miscarriage, we heard a heartbeat on an ultrasound. A miracle of God. Both of those situations drew Kelly and I closer to God. But then at the same time, there's the other side of the coin where we've had things uh, that we wanted to receive from the Lord, that we wanted him to work, and and they just didn't happen or haven't happened yet. And when those things happen, uh, instead of turning our backs, now granted there are some very angry prayers (laughs) in some moments, uh, but instead of turning our backs, we reminded ourselves what all God had done for us. We relived those moments and and trusted him with our future. Not perfectly by any stretch, uh, but but our goal was to continue to have faith despite our circumstances. And God still worked, just not necessarily in the way we asked. 
And, and so I want to encourage you today, as, as we're seeking miraculous works from God, that we have a, a, what I call a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego mentality. And we go back to that Old Testament story where they're about to be thrown into a fiery furnace, and they claim, my God has the power to save us. But even if he does not, we're still going to worship him. We're still going to follow him. And, and so that's the mentality we have to have. Is it wrong to seek a miracle? Absolutely not. But it's wrong to seek a miracle over the miracle worker. And so that's where I believe Jesus is going with this story. Uh, what I love, though, coming up next is, is and we really see uh, the turn of, of the tide in the story, so to speak, is in verses 49 through 50. I want you to look closely at this with me. We're going to look at three points and, and see how God's way of doing things is, is far better than the official's plan in the beginning. Uh, it's, and it's also, just as we're going through this, it's incredibly amazing to watch the, how the official uh, grows in his faith throughout this story. His faith journey unfolds before our very eyes as the words of Jesus work in his life and the life of his family. Verse 49 says this, it says, The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Our, our first point I want us to realize as we read through this turn in the story is that we can have faith through trials and discomfort. We can have faith through trials and discomfort. The official was showing, granted, probably a small amount of faith, but an amount of faith because of the illness of his son to come to Jesus to ask for healing. Interestingly enough, remember, this is an official. A part of his daily life was to give commands, to be in control, to show people what he wanted to do. And even he could have sent somebody to find Jesus for him, but he had enough faith and enough reverence to come personally. Uh, and, and again, we don't know how deep his faith was in the beginning moments of the story. It's, it's very likely that he was probably going off hearsay, again, of what Jesus had done, especially in this town of Cana where he turned the water into wine. And, and who knows what knowledge he had past that. Uh, and it's very likely that there's some doubt in this man's heart that Jesus will be able to do what he's asking him to do. That's another reason we can see why Jesus probably responded the way he did at first. But nevertheless, the dire situation this man found himself in brought him to Christ in the hopes that his son might be saved from the brink of death. He has enough faith, enough faith to go to Jesus personally and seek his grace. See, trials and times of discomfort should cause us to have the same response. Even if we're not entirely sure that God will work, and even if we doubt, he has the power to do so. There's no doubt that, that the time we're living in now has brought about at least discomfort in most of our lives. And for some of us, tremendous trial. The good news is, we know who to go to. So, so I want to ask a question before we move forward. How are you approaching Jesus during this time? How are you approaching Jesus? I'd encourage you to be bold, bold and honest with him. Bring all your hurts, frustration, angers, fears, because it's so often in these times that God desires to shape us as individuals and as a church, a body of believers. And to be honest with you, that this, this time can feel like too much. And sometimes doubts will come. 
And we'll be tempted to, to turn away and maybe even think that God can't act in here, in this place, in this time. But, and I'll be honest with you too, I've not always been the best since this safe at home and coronavirus and all this started. But I want to move closer to him during this time. I want to see how he wants to shape me. I want to be very different and closer to God on the other side of COVID-19. That's my prayer for us all. The next point I want us to see is, as we move forward in this story is, is we want to have faith that God is in control. We want to have faith that God is in control. It, it's always a comforting thought to be reminded about our God and, and how sovereign he is and how he's in complete control. But this truth can be what we forget first sometimes when we face trials. And I love how scripture reminds us of God's promise to revolt his plans, his way, and we see that as this story is continuing. Uh, I want to remind you one last time that this is an official. He knows what control is. He knows um, that every day he is telling people what to do, how to do it. Um, and he even had a plan as he showed up for how Jesus was going to come heal his son. He's like, you just come back with me, Jesus. You, you come on back to my home, and you'll heal my son. Uh, and in the rebuking response that Jesus gave him, a very particular word is used. Jesus talks about you won't believe unless you see this miracle. And that's why I love how much God is in control of this situation. Because what Jesus does next, I want you to watch it. Uh, in verse 49, he's, it, the man's plea is turned into this cry of a heart. Sir, come down before my child dies. And, and, and Jesus does a very interesting thing. He said instead of going with the man to Capernaum, which was somewhere between 10 to 20 miles away. We're not exactly sure where Cana was. He says, go and your son will live. This is incredibly significant because no one was going to see Jesus directly perform this miracle. No one would lay eyes on Jesus laying hands on this boy and him getting up, or, or young man, and, and it was just going to have to be something the man was going to have to take on faith. Jesus fulfilled his words from his statement earlier that you will not believe unless you see. And he did this miracle in such a way where the man would not see. He wouldn't see it happen. And we watch this man's faith grow because he chooses to turn and go. It says the man believed that Jesus had complete control over his son's illness. And he redirected his life accordingly. He went on his way confident enough that Jesus would accomplish what he said. I wonder in this time, are, are we fully believing that God is in control? I don't say that lightly because it's something uh, that's a tremendously hard thing to admit when we get there, that, that I, I don't know if I'm believing God's fully in control right now. Uh, we want to seem like we have it all together in our faith, and, um, but there's times that we doubt it. Sin has truly broken this world. And because of that, you and I are going to walk through some pretty dark times. But we're promised that when things look dire, God is still on his throne. His promises remain true. His plans still go forward. And his ultimate plan is for us to be his children. Him caring for us and giving us what we need. My MC right now is, is going through Psalm 23. And I was reminded of the fourth verse as I went through this portion of the scripture it says even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff they comfort me we will go through the valley we'll go through some tough times but God promises 
that he is with us. And these, these shepherd's tools he mentions, the rod and the staff, are tools of control. They signify that he is in control. And we can rest in that. Rest assured that our good shepherd Jesus is very much in control. Nothing took him by surprise during this time. Have faith that he is in control. It's easy to say, but sometimes hard to practice. As we come to the end of this story, what I kind of termed as the payoff for doing things Jesus' way, um, we see a really cool thing evolve uh, for what would, may not have had this much power, but the way Jesus, Jesus chose to do this, uh, we see a really powerful event happen in his family's life, lives. Verse 51 starts here. It says, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said, yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. See, the official realized in that moment that they came to talk to him that it was the power of Jesus' word that saved his son. For the man, his servants, his family to get the whole story, they would have had to gather and sit down and speak of it relationally. Only then could they see the full picture of how Jesus impacted their lives. And what started as a direct word from Jesus continued through the work of the Spirit within this family, the official and his entire household became believers. They had faith that Jesus could not only heal and work signs and wonders, but that there, were power, there was power in his very words. The very words that came out of his mouth had the power to save their family member from death. And that brings us to our last point, that we can have faith that there is saving power in the word. See, John paints for us the beginning of his gospel. We talked about this, that, that Jesus was the living embodiment of that word. We're promised in the prophet Isaiah that his word does not return void. And in fact, as we've talked about faith throughout this morning, Romans 10, 17 says this. It says, so faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Our very faith comes in, in Christ the saved, comes from hearing his word. And so often it is increased by the spirit using our stories, your story, my story, of how that word has impacted our lives. So what do we do with that? What do we do? I want to continue to encourage us. It's something we've been doing for, uh, since I was, before I was here at this church, is to, is to read our Bibles daily, not just to get knowledge, but to meet Jesus in that word. Read, we've got uh, the community Bible reading plan that Mercy Hill has, has put out. It's got an app you can use on your phone. Uh, and, and it's something to just help us Continually be reminded that we can meet Jesus every day in his word. But I don't, I don't want to stop this thought there because I, I want to hang out in, in what else happened in the story with his family and how they saw Jesus working. And, and so further, I think John 4 reminds us that it's important to discuss the saving power of God's word in our lives. So I want to encourage us as families, coffee groups, missional communities to get, to either start or continue to have these conversations that begin, bring us to remember the impact Scripture has and is having 
on our lives. I'm called back to what I shared with you earlier and what we experienced with Will and Vivi. You see, Kelly and I, as we found out we were pregnant, it was important for us to claim a verse of Scripture that we would pray over Will and Vivi. And, and it was amazing how we watched the power of the words we claimed over them work out in the miracles we needed in their lives. Will's verse was Isaiah 41.10. And remember, Will was born prematurely. He wasn't even supposed to be there. He's going to have trouble doing what a full-term baby would do. His lungs would not be strong. Uh, so many things that he still needed to do. And Isaiah 41.10 says this. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will hold, uphold you with my righteous right hand. We watched the Lord strengthen Will. We watched it. Vivi, who we thought was for sure lost. Even doctors were saying, yeah, she's probably lost. Her verse was Psalm 62, 1 and 2, and it says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. Psalm 62, 1 and 2. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. We watched God become a fortress for Vivi. With all that went on with Kelly the weekend we thought we lost her. God wrapped his hands, his arms, his loving kindness around our daughter and kept her safe. Long, long enough for her to be a full-term baby from a moment we thought she was gone. And I want to remind you too that, that in the midst of that, in between them, we did have a miscarriage. We know what that's like. And so God didn't work how we would have desired him to in that portion of our lives. But over Will and Vivi, in the scripture we claimed over them, we watched the power of the words that were being prayed over them work themselves out before our eyes. The same with our story when the official's family sat down to tell the story about how the word of God impacted them. Lives were changed for eternity. I pray that we experience similar moments during this time of pandemic and when we're on the other side of COVID-19. So, so what do we do? How do we go forward? Uh, I want to remind you to think about how is this time of discomfort and trial drawing you to Christ? Are you moving toward him? I want us all to take comfort in the reminder that God is in control. He was not surprised. And I want us all to think about taking time to remember and discuss with others the impact of God's word in your life, that it has saving power. And if you're somebody there today that's watching and you don't know that saving power, the word of God, that tells us that he sent the living embodiment of the word Jesus to die for us, that we might have right relationship with God and that he rose on the third day so that right relationship could be made eternal. We would love to tell you about that. Uh, so approach God. He is in control. And remember the power of his word. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this time together. Thank you that we can look at this story and be reminded um, that God, while we seek you to work God, most importantly, we need to seek you. God, that, that you will guide us towards that truth. God, as we are in the midst of this time, that we'll approach you first, uh, seeking uh, clean hearts. God, that you can give that to us and that we seek just time with you. And God, we do, through that, pray that you will heal our land. God, we do pray 
as you are the God who is mighty and has control over everything in this world that you do bring the impact this virus is having to an end. God, that you do miraculous healing that only you can get credit for. And Father, when we gather around to tell the stories of how you work, God, that will we see that in light of the power of your word. God, may we find you in your word. God, may our hearts be open to you as we read your word. And God, may we truly see that you have the power to save, both for salvation, God, that, that everyone at once was, we are, we're sinners and we needed you. Um, and God, some of us know that and we have, we have repented and we believe. And God, some of us don't. We don't experience this power of your word. We don't experience um, how you are in control of our lives and you care for us as a loving father. And so, God, for those that don't know, God, I ask that you will, um, God, just, just help them to hear from you, especially today. God, we love you and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.